this morning we are uh, in Romans chapter 8, and we're, um, we've broken this chapter down into three different sermons, um, and I shared just briefly a few minutes ago uh, about last week's message that talked about a new life through the Spirit, and how we become under new management when Christ gets a hold of us, or when, you know, when Christ gets a hold of us and we found out that the Holy Spirit takes up residence and that when he takes up residence in a life, it shows. Right? We talked about the neighbor, the rental house beside me, that uh, Bethany and I, that uh, when someone moved in after it was vacant for some time, it was obvious. And that good works that come out of a, a, a Christian's life are not good works so that we can be saved and remain saved. They come out of a place of gratitude and appreciation and change from the inside. And, um, and so this, this chapter, some say Romans chapter 8 is the most important, the greatest chapter in the New Testament uh, and maybe the Bible because of the truth that is found here. We're going to wrestle with it. Uh, today as we g- jump into this message called A New Hope. And uh, I did get one uh, Star Wars fan that texted me last week and said uh, it was not lost on them, my reference to Star Wars. Um, and so this morning we're going to talk about real hope. All right? There's this, uh, there's a saying that says we can live 40 days without food, 8 days without water, 8 minutes without air but not one second without hope. And some of you have walked into this building this morning in some point, in some situation in your life, hopeless. And Paul is getting ready to speak to you. He spoke to me in this passage. That the hope of the Bible is different than the hope that we use when, uh, especially these days, when we say we hope the Wildcats win this weekend, (laughs) that is very much wishful thinking. The hope of the Bible is a certainty. When Paul speaks about hope, this is not like, this is wishful thinking that this is going to come to fruition or that we have good reason to think there's good odds. This is like with this, this is amount of certainty and confident expectation that this is absolutely going to happen, this hope. It's not just wishful thinking. So I ask you this morning, think, just take inventory of your life. Where does it feel hopeless? Um, And let's just kind of be in that moment, in that place. There's so many other scriptures in the Bible. You remember Hebrews chapter 11. It says, faith uh, is confidence, or is the substance of what we hope for. And assurance about what we do not see. In Romans chapter 4, Paul has already talked about hope. He talked about Abraham as the example, right? Who said, against hope which was worldly hope, wishful thinking, hope this works out, hope we have a baby, even though, you know, uh, we're getting up in years. It says, against hope, against worldly wisdom, where it looks like it's hopeless, Abraham believed in hope, which is a different hope. It's biblical hope. It's confident assurance and expectation and certainty that God delivers on the promises he makes. 
Romans 12, 12, Paul is going to say, rejoice in hope. In Romans 15, 13, Paul is going to say, now may the God of hope fill you with joy and peace. And believe in that, you will abound in hope. Here it comes again. By the power of the Holy Spirit. You're going to abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. So it's easy for a Christian to get distracted from the destination, from hope, from this truth that is hope. This morning, I'm going to share three things that I found here that just uh, bless my soul because what Paul is saying is it's easy to, to lose your perspective in life. In the daily trials and tribulations and the things that we face every day, it is so easy to lose our perspective. And so this morning, we're going to look at three great things I think we find in this passage of Scripture, Romans 8, chapter 18 uh, through 28. Um, let me read them. No better place to start than let's just read these, these words that were penned, that were breathed by the Holy Spirit and man pinned down. Romans 8, verse 18. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. For the creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. For the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the freedom and glory of the children of God. We know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. I'm going to stop right there just for a second because I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this creation verses. But I want you to just take for a moment and realize the magnitude of what Paul is saying here is that the very creation, the minerals, the animals, the things that make up our entire world, they're feeling the same anguish we're feeling the burden and this hopeful look for a new earth someday that right it's, it, it is it is groaning in earthquakes and tornadoes and it is ready for the future hope that it also has verse 23 it says not only so but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the spirit groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship the redemption of our bodies for in this hope we were saved, but hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have, but if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. In the same way the Spirit helps us in our weakness, we do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. And everybody's favorite t-shirt verse, coffee mug verse. And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. That's the verse we're going to end on this morning, Romans 8, 28. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. God, this moment I come to you, God, just searching for the words and God praying that you would just use me to guide our hearts to truth that are found in these 11 verses. 
God, that would change our perspective, that would draw us closer to you, that would draw the lost, that would convict them to realize they, they cannot live up to the perfection that you expect, that there is only one hope of eternity and salvation, and that is by faith in Jesus Christ. And when we express that faith, when we put our belief in you, your grace uh, abounds and changes us. God, we ask all this in Jesus' name. All right, three great things. If you take notes, um, uh, the first one I want you to see is a great, uh, a great deal. That's D-E-A-L. This is a great deal Paul is talking about here. Like this is, uh, who, who likes to get a good deal? Like if you're buying a car, you're buying a house, you're going shopping, you have coupons, you're getting rewards. Like you want to know you've got the best deal out there. And there's nothing that upsets you more if you go somewhere and then somebody, your friend goes somewhere and says, I went there and I got buy one, get one free because I found a thing on an app. And they got the great deal, the best deal. Here in this very first verse, Paul lays out, I want you to think for a minute as, as, as he wants to, to get in context here, as he's writing to a church that at this moment in time is not under such great persecution, even though Paul has been himself and is getting ready to be. He says at the end of the book of Romans, he's getting ready to go back to Jerusalem and he's saying, I might die. It's basically what he's saying. I, I mean, I'm not scared, but I know the risk of going back to Jerusalem. But this very church he's writing to within a short amount of time will come under immense persecution in Rome. And so he says something in this very first verse, 8, 18, he says, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. Here's the first deal we get. Here's the first part of the great deal is that we get to exchange this kind of momentary, current Suffering, this trial, this tribulation that we have right now. He says, this does not even compare with the glory that will be revealed in us. That is heaven. That is eternity. That is all time. Because, you know, uh, uh, when we think about this, he's saying, this is such a great deal. Like, whatever comes my way, really, if I can just focus on the hope that I have of heaven, if I can be heavenly-minded and not so much earthly-minded, that I can take all these things, the good, the bad, that come at me, and this is a really great deal. Like, I can't even compare it. To what's going on right now in my life compared to what God is going to do in the end. It says we can take this suffering from persecution, uh, from uh, weakness, disease, abuse, aging, and lost short. I don't know about you. There's an instant. You know, I know we go through some difficult times. And I mean, bad things in life. But there's, a, there's an instant for me that brings this all to like extreme clarity immediately when it comes to trials and tests and pain and suffering. Two or three different things, actually. When I stub my toe, y'all hate stubbing your toe. Like that feeling when you're walking through the house at night and you, like, it hurts so bad. Like in that very moment that you just lose all religion. And like you just think, or hitting my head, I hate if I'm working and doing something, you know, you raise up too fast and you don't know the, the cabinet door was open and you catch the corner of it. Like in that moment, it's like, Ugh! 
Maybe I'm the only one that wants to rip it off the hinges. But it's the worst feeling. Okay, there are going to be much worse things in life, right? That we face sickness and loss and, and broken relationships and things that just do not make sense. It feels like it's not fair. I was 100% sure I had that door closed. Who left the Lego in the hallway? That's where we walk. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't feel right. It's frustrating. It's heartbreaking. Yet Paul says, I can't even compare how bad this is to how good it's going to be. To how good it's going to be. It's like, I mean, you, if you get caught up in just looking at the here and now, you're going to lose perspective. He also says here, we're getting to trade this deal out in the same way the Spirit helps us in our weakness. It's the best deal ever. We're going to bring our weakness, our faults, our, uh, our struggles, right? Our internal struggles, our shortcomings. We're going to bring those, and he's just going to trade that out for strength and help from the Holy Spirit. I mean, what kind of deal is this? This is like, I'm sign me up. And get to bring this, this little bit of suffering right now what, in this life on this planet, which is really a blip to eternity if you really think about it, for future perfection. I'm getting to trade the weakness and the things I struggle with right now. I get to bring it, and he, he, he turns that into strength when I trust his Holy Spirit. And then... The second line of that says, we do not know what we ought to pray, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. Man, this is just, it's too deep for me, right? This chapter, honestly, uh, we're not going to get into it because I don't think uh, this is necessarily a place, but chapter 8 is a chapter of the Bible that has these truths that's been debated for 500 years between Calvinism and, 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 and there's lots of depth of theology here, okay, that people have debated and argued over. For 500 years. But there's truth. It says we do not know what we ought to pray for. But the spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. This idea that when you say I don't know what to pray. Paul's right. You're right. You don't. You don't know how to pray. But Jesus promised he was going to send a helper. <laughs> he said in your weakness I'm going to help you. That there will be times that you're so broken by the situation, you've stubbed your toe in life, and you just don't even know what to say or do, that you will just be overcome with emotion, that you can just feel that the Spirit of God is searching your heart, and there's some connection and unity between God's will and your life, and it's just like inside changing you. That there will be those moments that the Spirit... Searches our hearts, knows the mind of the Spirit, and intercedes on God's people in accordance with the will of God. I want you to kind of see the bookends of 18 to 28 here. 18 says, in these current sufferings, I'm just, I can't even compare it to greater joy. Because if you go down to 28, he says why. He says, because all things work together for good. All right? This is the bookend of 18 to 28. And in the middle, he says, this is a great deal, church. Believer, this is a great deal. We also see he talks about a great 
uh, desire. First in the creation in 8.19, it says, For the creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. And he goes into some detail that I read to you, just about how, I mean, creation in of itself is like so frustrated with the brokenness of the world that it cannot wait in and of itself for the new earth to come, for God to just do away with all this and do away with pain and suffering. And it says it waits eagerly, eagerly expecting this desire. And I ask you this one, what do we long for in life? What do we desire? What do we wake up longing for, desiring? You see, because we've got a, a taste of the first fruits of the Spirit. The song we just sang said, or the Holy Spirit says, I've tasted and seen what is power in the Spirit. It's like you've got an appetizer. We've gotten a little hint of what heaven is going to be like. And that if you get that little hint, man, you just want, like, uh, you want another appetizer, maybe a main course, maybe dessert. Maybe you're just going to eat all your meals there. But there's this eager expectation. He says, not only so, not only creation, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies. Uh, I mean, so what do we long for? What are you longing for right now? What do you wake up thinking about? Maybe it's, uh, I got a two-year-old, so maybe your child to be potty trained. <laughs> uh, maybe it's uh, for retirement to begin. Maybe it is for spring to come. Maybe you're one of those people that you never enjoy the season it is. You're always thinking about the next one, right? Or maybe it's to feel valued. Maybe you're just feeling in life that nobody cares about you. Maybe you just want to be recognized for once for the hard work, for the things you put in behind the scenes. Maybe you want to be chosen instead of passed over. You got this longing and desire. He's teaching us here that our number one desire should be eternity. That uh, to be earthly good, we need to be heavenly minded. So he, he tells us there's this great desire in the creation. Even Jesus said in Luke 19, I love this verse. Uh, he, he was coming through, and people were shouting Hosanna to him. The Pharisees were like, you need to tell that crowd to hush, rebuke them. You're not Hosanna. Who they? You don't need to be saying this. And Jesus said, if they don't cry out, the very rocks, the minerals of what my Father created will praise me. If you don't, the world, the, like a rock will. That we should be so eagerly desiring, longing for, not the next season. This is life. I mean, guys, Paul is saying, come here, be in this moment. <laughs> okay? It may not be a good moment. It may not be a great season in your life. But this is a season God has ordained and is in control of. And he says, don't long for just the next thing and to get out of this. Because on this earth, the next thing is going to be just as bad. I mean, it never gets fixed here. 
He says, have a great desire. And then the third great thing, if you're taking notes, uh, have a great desire for a great destination. A great destination. So to be earthly good, we need to be heavenly minded. Um, And so sometimes we probably honestly think more about our next vacation than heaven. Is that, I mean, the, the next time we're going to go, so the, the next trip to the beach, the next trip to the Smokies, the next trip to wherever y'all go. And he says there's a greater destination. I want, I want you to imagine, though, you, you're, you, you're thinking your favorite vacation spot where you love to go. This is your destination. And you love to go there. And you know you're getting ready to go on a trip. And somehow, miraculously, like you've seen the future, and you know you are for sure going to get there. And when you get there, it is going to be the perfect weather. And when you get there, it just so happens that somebody's gone to all your favorite restaurants, because that's vacation for me, is eating. I'm just thinking about where we're going to eat. And they've already paid for your favorite meal, your favorite hotel. Like everything is going to be perfect. You know it without a doubt. Okay, are you there? Are you with me? That sounds good, doesn't it? But you got to get in the car and you got to get there. But if you know that, then when you get in the car and you hit the curvy road and your child throws up in the back and you're cleaning out the car seat at the gas station on the side of the road, been there, this is speaking from experience, do you really care? If you know where you're, where you know the destination, you know for sure you're going to get there. Everything is going to be fine. It's going to be perfect. But right now, you've got to clean the vomit out of the car seat. And then a little further down the road, the, the car breaks down. You get a flat. I don't know. The transmission goes out. I've had all kinds of car problems. I can use all kinds of different experiences. But the car tears up. You get lost. You don't have a GPS. You don't have cell service. And you're like me when I was a 10-year-old. You drop, bring out the Rand McNally. You remember the road, road Atlas? And we usually had one that was five or six years old. So I'd highlight a route, and we'd get there, and that road didn't exist anymore. Right? Where we're going, that was my job as the navigator for my dad. But you get lost, and you, you, you're, you're going through this. And you're like, but this destination is, I know I'm going to get there. It's going to be perfect. I don't care that I'm, this, everything's messing up right now. They didn't promise it would be perfect on the trip there. They did promise as you go through these tests and these trials and you persevere with the help of the Spirit that you get closer to the destination. Amen. That you grow more and more uh, in anticipation and eager expectation. That this is going to be perfect when I'm getting this. These things I can handle, I can deal with. Why can we handle them? Why can we deal with them uh, in life? Paul finishes it with this thought For we know that in all things, God works for the good. 
of those who love him, who've been called according to his purpose. The good is not in your moment. It is not God showing up and fixing everything that's wrong in your life right now and making it perfect. That's not the good Paul is talking about. If you can remember, I think the scriptures and I think it's first Peter, it may not be, but he says that for now, for a moment, you may experience trials and tests and tribulations. If need be, if need be to grow your faith. The good that he's talking about is this, this place that he's going he's gonna to draw you and move you closer to the destination of heaven. And if you go on and read what we're going to get ready to tackle next week, verse 29, it says, For those who God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. That for the believers, for those of you believers, that he has set up your destination. Now, I shared last week, there are strong scriptures that speak to the, 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 the choice and decisions that we as believers and people have to make that show us there's, there's, there's a great danger that if we don't persevere to the end in our faith, that heaven will not be for us. But then there are these strong verses that is pretty clear that God is saying, I've set your destiny, your GPS at the end as a believer And everything, while you are making decisions and somehow God uses all of our free will and our ability to make decisions and, and at the same time has complete sovereignty and control over all of it, those are two sides of a coin. Uh, if you understand it, come talk to me. There are some things that are a mystery that require faith because he says if we're going to hope for what we've already got and what we already see and what we already know, what's, that's not hope. But he says, for we know that all things, that, that, that maybe these tests, these trials, these, these current sufferings are reminded to show us the strength of his promise, to draw us closer to the destination God's prepared for us. We see this great deal not only in, in the, three, the things that we saw here from Paul, that suffering for future perfection, or weakness for strength, or for not even knowing what to say with a helper of knowledge through the spirit of what to pray for and align us and change us in prayer to align us with what God wants us. But we also have the great deal of salvation, right? That we can bring our brokenness, our sinfulness, our imperfections, and trade it out for his righteousness. You see, God doesn't test us to see if we are faithful. We don't go through tests and trials for God to say, I'm going to see if Jared will remain faithful through this. Because what's God know? Everything. He doesn't need to see if I'm going to be faithful. I need to see that God will be faithful. Because there's going to be another test, there's going to be another trial, there's going to be another time, another place that I'm going to be able to draw from that moment and that time when he showed up, when he delivered. When, when, you know, he was, this is not, he doesn't teach to the test, he teaches through 
the test. Is that beautiful? Get a little closer. Y'all familiar with needlework or uh, embroidery? This is the backside of it, right? You're looking at that and you're like, and, and this is us seeing our life, okay? That looks like a complete and utter mess. I could do that right there. But what Paul is saying, all these things that look like mess, this suffering, this is, see, God sees a bigger picture. He sees the front side. Right? He sees that he's taking what, what looks like strings going the wrong places, colors in the wrong place, dangling ends that don't belong, and things that just don't fit in our life because all we can see is our own context and our own desire and our own dreams and our own will. And, 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 but God on the other side sees the big picture. And he's using all of this in our life, all things. Now listen, he doesn't do this. For non-believers. Things are not working for your good. He is drawing you. He is inviting you in. But you're on your own. Until you surrender. But when you surrender. He starts taking. All of your mess. And turning it into a masterpiece. We're going to get ready to sing this morning one more song. I just want to walk you back through the thoughts this morning. Where in life did you walk in and feel hopeless? Where were you saying? Like that moment when you thought you got a great deal, got a great deal on a vehicle one time, and in a week the whole transmission fell out of it? Didn't fall out, but might as well have. And you said, thought, thought life was a great deal, but I'm getting cheated. You felt like life wasn't fair. Like this isn't supposed to happen to me. Life isn't supposed to be this way. Paul's saying, whoa, 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 this is a great deal. Remember your hope. Remember your destination. Where have you been distracted in your desires and your longing? Because here's what happened. He just said he's, he's got this battle within back in chapter 7, right? I do what I want. I, I do what I don't want to do. I don't do what I want to do. This battle within that we're consistently battling with self. And if we're not careful, all of our desires and the longings of our heart will be with the intent to satisfy one person. And that will be us. That will be ourselves. Let's fuel those desires into this destination. Let's be heavenly minded. And when we become heavenly minded, our perspective begins to change. We can begin to see that God works all things 
for the good.